Hello, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about the films The Old Man and the Gun, Mid-90s, and Overlord. Before I get into those, I also wanted to make a special mention. I got to watch uh, a film called Our Land is the Sea. It's a documentary film. It's a short documentary film. It's 25 minutes long. Uh, but it was written and directed by Kelly Swayze and Matt Colicello. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, Kelly Swayze is a longtime friend of mine, and uh, it's a documentary they shot in Indonesia. Uh, she lives there. I'm not sure if Matt lives there full-time or not, but um, very interesting, very informative, and very beautifully shot uh, film. The entire thing can be seen on YouTube for free right now. It's Your Land is the Sea. If you just put that in, you'll see the full film there. Uh, like I said, it's only 25 minutes long, so it's not uh, not going to take too long. But yeah, um, give a chance. Uh, this is this is Kelly's first film as a writer and director, uh, and she did an excellent job. Uh, and I highly recommend it. And I was chatting with her uh, a, a couple days ago and talking about how I really hope that she makes a longer film in the future. Because um, she definitely has a strong artistic voice and, uh, you know, clearly has a gift for documentary filmmaking. So uh, I'm hoping to see more from her. But, uh, yeah, uh, check out Our Land is the Sea on YouTube if you get the chance. Uh, the next film or the first feature-length film I saw in the theater uh, was The Old Man and the Gun, which is the newest Film directed by David Lowery. Uh, Lowery, David Lowery. David Lowery is in the band Cracker. Uh, so David Lowery uh, uh, wrote and or adapted and directed this film about Forrest Tucker, who was a real life bank robber, uh, who was, you know, an older man. By the, I think you could tell by what the title is that, uh, you know, he robbed banks. Um, he was not a violent criminal. Uh, most of the time he just told people he had a gun. He didn't actually show them the gun. And, um, you know, he and a couple other buddies in this film played by Danny Glover and Tom Waits robbed quite a few banks and Casey Affleck plays the detective that's on the pursuit of him and eventually caught him. Now, uh, Forrest Tucker ended up escaping various prisons throughout his life. I believe it was 16 times. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> apparently it was a very charming guy in real life, obviously having Robert Redford play him. He's going to have a bit of built-in charm. And this movie mainly focuses on his relationship with uh, a woman uh, played by Sissy Spacek, uh, who, uh, you know, doesn't know of his criminal escapades, even though he tells her early on, she doesn't believe him. Uh, she doesn't know until towards the end. Um, this both in style and pacing and script really is a throwback to the two films made in the early seventies, um, which is sort of fitting considering Robert Redford is in it. I mean, this is the way it was filmed, it looks like it was made in probably 1973, and, you know, if I hadn't seen it today, if I had seen it on TV, I would have assumed, and obviously if it 
didn't have, you know, Casey Affleck and uh, some other more uh, well-known actors, Tika Sunter. I, it would be easy to mistake this as a film made from that era. So, uh, very well done. Uh, a little slow for my liking, but uh, like I said, it, it's definitely a film of a bygone era. Um, it's also reportedly Robert Redford's final on-screen performance, and I mean, the man is 82. Uh, you know, he's he's old. He looks old in this film, but I think a lot of it is makeup that they've put on him. You know, he still looks a lot younger than most men in their 80s that I know. But, um, you know, a charming performance, but it's basically, I don't know. I liked the film, but it never quite took off for me. It it just felt like, well, Robert Redford's super charming, and we're going to make a really low-stakes caper movie and have him kind of coast through. And then, you know, it, 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 to me it was as much a tribute to Robert Redford as it was to Forrest Tucker. There was the little bit that uh, they used some old footage of Robert Redford from when he was younger to use as flashbacks in this film, which, you know, I had seen that done, you know, 15 years ago in the movie The Limey, where Terrence Stamp uh, played a hitman, and they used some footage from an older film of his, and that was the first time I'd ever seen that done, and I've seen it in several films since, so... um I told my mother this this past week that this is a movie that I thought she would enjoy. Uh, it's definitely something that I, it sort of caters to the over 50 crowd. And if you're a fan of Robert Redford, definitely go see this. If you are not, if you're a fan of modern crime capers, this might not be your cup of tea. It's a little bit mellower than the, you know, the standard cop and robber movies that have been made in the last 25, 30 years, but, uh, it's solid film. Uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the David Lowry movies that I've seen so far, including eight them body saints, which I really liked, but, um, and I guess he did the new version of Pete's dragon, which I haven't seen, but, uh, when I was reading about it, it sounded interesting. So, yeah, uh, I would give The Old Man and the Gun a, a 7 out of 10. Uh, not an amazing film, but certainly a solid one. Uh, the next movie I saw was Mid-90s, which is the directorial and writing debut of actor Jonah Hill, uh, who does not appear in it. And, uh, you know, I was fairly excited looking forward to this film before it came out. I had heard him on a couple podcasts. I mean, I knew about it anyways. And uh, in general, I tend to enjoy films that uh, writer, you know, that are written and or directed by people who started out acting. They oftentimes have a sense of filmmaking that people who spend their entire lives just as directors maybe don't quite have. Um, and this movie, from the first time I saw the preview. I, you know, I really thought uh, it looked a lot like a spiritual successor or companion to Larry Clark's film, Kids, 
which came out in 96 or 97, I don't remember off the top of my head, but, and it's a very hard-hitting, unflinching look at, you know, teens and preteens in New York City in the mid-90s, and, you know, that movie, certainly a, a divisive film, it's, some people feel it's exploitative, uh, it's sexualizing children, uh, which I tend to agree with, um, but, you know, I saw it a few times in my 20s, and I can't watch it now, it just makes me uncomfortable, and, um, uh, Larry Clark, the director, has come under scrutiny for some of his work of post-kids, uh, continuing that theme, and, you know, people have distanced themselves from him, but it was written by Harmony Corinne, and, you know, as a sort of, like, a handing of the baton, Harmony Corinne has a cameo in this as one of, uh, Sonny Sunburn, the, the protagonist of the film, his mother's, she, Harmony Corinne plays one of his mother's suitors, uh, that they encounter leaving the house, but, uh, his mother's played by Catherine Watterson and uh, Lucas Hedges, who uh, has had some notoriety. Lucas Hedges plays his older brother, and uh, uh, Lucas Hedges was nominated for an Oscar for Manchester by the Sea a couple couple years ago. And I I I gotta say, you know, my expe- expectations for this film were pretty high, and also. And I didn't know this until the week before it came out, but Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the original music for the film, which, you know, amounts to only four tracks, about 16 minutes of music in the film. The rest is 90s era music, mostly hip hop. But I gotta say, this was a thoroughly disappointing film. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's pretty much all first time slash non actors, mostly adolescent kids. Um, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien has a cameo as a uh, as a homeless person, and but it really hinges on you know these these five young actors and where kids felt unscripted and you almost felt like you're watching a documentary. There were events that transpired in the film and it did follow a narrative where this really does not. And, you know, I, I, I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know if Jonah Hill is a skateboarder himself, but it, it's really about kind of skate culture in, uh, the, the greater Los Angeles area and, you know, younger, younger kids. And it really just doesn't, didn't seem to have a point of view. Um, it doesn't even feel like a finished movie and, you know, it's, it's 84 minutes. So, you know, if you take the credits away, it's it's about 78, 79 minutes. It's barely a feature-length film. You know, it, it technically skates by because 80 minutes is the length a movie has to be to be considered a feature-length film. And it ends on a, a strangely, I don't know, like a, like a film within a film because one of the young guys... Uh, He's known as fourth grade because his friends say he's as smart as a fourth grader. He's been documenting. He's been he's been walking around with a camcorder, filming them the the entire length of the film, and then he's apparently edited together a movie called Mid Nineties in the movie, and he shows it to them after 
there's a horrific car accident where uh, one of the kids gets badly hurt, but there are clearly no actual consequences to the kids, not only driving and causing an accident, but drunk driving. Um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see if Jonah Hill makes other films. This is getting a fair amount of critical acclaim, which I kind of question and don't really understand. Um, it's, I don't know. I think thought it was a poor film. I would give mid nineties, a four out of 10. I really don't recommend it. I know people are going to go see it anyways. Uh, you know, Jonah Hill had been known primarily as a comedy actor for years. Now he's doing more serious stuff. It's really not a funny film. There's some, you know, mildly amusing, funny bits, but there's more brutal, hard to watch scenes. There's, you know, uh, several scenes where Lucas Hedge, Lucas Hedge is, uh, is beating his younger brother. And there's, there's a couple scenes of self abuse with the young actor who plays the lead, uh, with no real explanation of, you know, what brought this on. I mean, you can sort of infer he comes from a broken home, but no real exploration of that. I mean, mercifully, unlike kids, this does not linger too long on, you know, sexual experiences of adolescence. There is one scene, but it's, uh, you know, I'd say mostly tastefully done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a, a fairly uncomfortable and almost unwatchable film. Uh, the last film that I saw was this movie Overlord, which I'd seen the previews for it for the last month or so. Uh, the it's a it's a World War II horror film, and you know the the preview is scored to ACDC's Hell's Bells, which I don't know it it, it worked well, but I really hoped that they weren't going to use modern music in the film, which they did not up until the end credits, which had a hip hop song, which you know, completely kind of shattered the 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 mood, the ambiance that the film had set for the previous you know hour and a half because it's a uh, it's all just score, orchestral score. But um, this was a movie that uh, you know it looked like a looked like a B movie uh, from the preview, and it definitely was. But uh, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would uh, for the first hour. It's a fairly straight ahead uh World War II movie. There's a you know, there's a plane of paratroopers flying over German occupied France. They're supposed to be parachuting down to to uh execute a mission to take out a radio tower and their plane gets shot down so they all have to jump out as the plane is going down. And that's the scene with the plane going down is pretty uh pretty mesmerizing. Uh the effects to to do that were pretty great. Uh, the, the lead actor, Jovan Adepo, who is a, uh, British actor, but he's playing a, an African American, uh, GI in this did an excellent job. Um, it was kind of nice to see, uh, a B movie, a modern B movie like this with an African American protagonist where his race is not addressed at all. I mean, the movie was not specifically, 
written, from what I can tell, was not specifically written for an African-American other than one line where, uh, because, you know, they, they encounter a villager who's French and he's able to speak French and she comments that his French sounds different. And he says, you know, his grandmother was from Haiti and then she moved to Louisiana. So that's how he learned French, which could have been explained away a million other ways. If it had been a Caucasian actor playing the role, they just could have said that he was, you know, Cajun or, or whatever. Uh, and then uh, Wyatt Russell, who he plays, you know, the secondary protagonist. And it was driving me nuts the whole time because he looked super familiar. I thought I had seen him in something. When I looked it up to afterwards, I had not seen him in something. But he's Kurt Russell's son, and he is, you know, like a blonde spitting image of his father. So, And he did a great job as well. But uh, So the first hour of the movie is a pretty standard uh, World War II film. It all takes place, the events all take place in one night, so it's almost all dark. And um, there's some... Some pretty interesting, well-lit, you know, well-framed shots. Particularly, there's a shot uh, when they're walking through the jungle, or not the jungle, the forest, after they touch down and several of their their fellow soldiers have gotten caught in the trees, and so there's bodies hanging in the trees. And there's also the shot where, uh, you know, the protagonist parachutes into some water, and you see him going from the air into the water. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, but they, you know, they discover that this village that's being kind of terrorized by the Nazis who have have taken over the church in the town and using it as kind of a base, and that's where the tower is. And so when they, when the GIs break into the church, they discover that there is experiments being done on the villagers and they're basically they're developing this super serum that kind of makes people superhuman it's almost like a zombie serum and as you can imagine the last half hour of the film becomes a gory violent uh horror film it's not a particularly scary film uh it is fairly gory there there were a couple jump scares but for them and i saw them coming uh, it's not subtle about that, but they didn't overdo it. Uh, the nice, the, the gory scenes and the effects, uh, which I think were a combination of practical effects and computer graphics were really convincing, uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, I really liked how that was handled and, uh, yeah, it was a fun movie. I, it, it was, I had more fun than I was expecting. It, it pretty much delivered, on every promise that the preview had, um, you know, one of the better J.J. Abrams produced but not directed films that I've seen, and uh, yeah, it's fun if you like horror films and or war films, I'd certainly recommend it, um, not, not an amazing script, and most of the, most of the characters are kind of cliched, not one note, but maybe two note characters. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. I'd give Overlord a seven out of ten. I, I enjoyed. It. It's certainly not going to make my top ten of the year, but I don't regret seeing it. I don't feel like I wasted time. Uh, I had fun. So those are the movies that I saw this week. I would like to make a special note. Uh, today is uh, 
November 12th, 2018, and uh, Stanley passed away today. Uh, Stanley, one of the uh, co-founders of Marvel Comics, he actually worked at the company predating Marvel Comics, uh, but one of the co-creators of many, many iconic superheroes from Marvel Comics. And uh, yeah, he was 95 years old, had a great run. It's, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people comment, reach out to me saying how sad it is. I mean, all life comes to an end. And I, I, I was saying to my buddy Greg earlier today, I said, I think he lived life, had a much fuller life than most of us ever will. So he had a great run. I, and, uh, yeah. So I just thankful for his contribution to popular culture. And, you know, in the last decade, he's, he's appeared, he's made cameos in all the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, so, you know, I know that they filmed a few of them in advance, so he'll probably show up on the next few, but eventually he won't anymore, but, uh, yeah, glad, uh, Stanley did what he did for such a long time, so, thanks for listening, and